Everybody, welcome back. It is the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am B Don, joined by the man across me, the good-looking, the uh, the owner of Razball, and who knows all. He he tells all. Grace, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, how's it going, B Don? <laughs> uh, it's going well. I mean, we had our first weekend of baseball. Uh, the weather was awesome down here, so I got to play some golf as well. So I mean, it was. Just, about as good of a weekend as one could ask for in the spring. Let me ask you something, B. Don. Serious yeah. question: Do you uh, do you ever get out on the uh, the old links and uh, and wish there was a pitch clock? Uh, definitely, I definitely <laughs> wish that there was a pitch clock in golf. Uh, there are some there are very, some very slow leisurely golfers out there. Let me uh, ask you, hey, hey B. Don. <laughs> hey, B. Don. Let me let me ask you something. You're on the you're at the you're on the tee, right? And uh, and you got in the, in the in the corner of your eye. There's a a countdown clock going on. <laughs> <laughs> does that does that rattle you, or, is that, or, is that, or does that get you? Does that get you ready to go? Uh, for me, it probably wouldn't matter. I'm I'm on the I'm the fast side, so I'm like I'm on the mound, ready to go, Gray. I just like <laughs> let, let me go. Let me hit, get out of my way. I'm 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 not a, a time taker, so uh, I'm not a closer. I'm I'm not uh, any of the closers who take 45 seconds a pitch. I will say this about the pitch clock. So first, first of all, I love it. I know you you hate it because oh, you're old, you're you're an old man. I'm, I'm at anyway, least eighty five years old. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, this is this is uh, my podcast. Welcome to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously though, I love the pitch clock. I love it. All right. The one the one little tweak I would probably do is I'd probably either extend it like maybe five seconds later in the ninth inning or, or just lose it completely in the ninth inning. Like, I feel like things get a little bit rushed when you feel like the game is on the line and you kind of want to savor the moment a little bit. And I think this will even become even more prevalent when games really start to matter in like October. So I don't think it's like that big of a deal in the regular season, but I do think there could be some tweaking done in the ninth inning with the pitch clock. But otherwise, I mean, I'm like, give me all the greenies you got in your pocket. I'm ready to do speed and kick <laughs> out, man. I love it, bro. I love it. I'm like so pumped up. I was even watching. I was watching this weekend baseball. I was watching the Mets. 
I was watching uh, Kode Senga, who we'll, who we'll talk about in a little bit, and uh, and Coogs was there, and she was folding clothes, and she's like, wow, baseball's gotten so fast. I was like, I know, right? It's got, like, a sense <laughs> of purpose. There's, like, I mean, and I'm a, you know, obviously I love baseball. I've loved it even when it didn't have a pitch clock, but it does feel like there's some sort of, like, there's a reason for being. <laughs> there's, like, something going, like, there's some real, like, tension that is like, well, you better, you better get up there and you better be ready to go. And like, I, yeah, I mean, I keep thinking of the, uh, the Mike Tyson quote. It's like, uh, until, uh, you get punched, you, you, you don't know, you don't know how you're going to react until you're punched in the mouth. And it's like the, uh, the pitch clock sort of does that in a way that's like, you don't know how you're going to react well, you better figure it out because the ball's coming. It's like the game is moving. You can't, like, go and step out of the box and just, like, you know, scratch your crotch for 20 seconds while you think about what the pitcher's going to do on the next pitch. Like, you can't do that anymore. And I personally, I kind of love it, man. I, I'm I'm sorry. I know we're in disagreement. <laughs> and I, I, I hope we can get through this together. But. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter what I say because baseball is not listening to me. They're not going to change what they're doing because of what I say. But as a longtime baseball fan, there's just there's some gamesmanship that I feel like we're losing with the pitch clock. Like we're losing the the pitcher stepping off the mound, the batter taking a step out. We're losing the catchers calling the game. We're 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 losing a little bit of the like the mental part and some of the gamesmanship to baseball all to save 25 minutes off the top. Like, but isn't I don't it know. Though, like, like, it's like, it's like chess versus speed chess. Like there's still game and sh- there's still gamesmanship and there's still strategy. It's just like, you gotta be doing amphetamines to really keep up with it. Right. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, I'm, we're just going to disagree on this one. I, I just don't like it. I, again, I, I think that there, this is a solution for a problem that really like was in the minority. Like, There's 5% of pitchers who take too long. And so we made a league-wide rule for 5% of pitchers. Like, it just seems excessive for, for what, I'm, what I like. I agree. Like, We need to probably in the ninth inning adjust it. I think across the game you can kind of adjust it just a little bit longer. Like The, the Devers one was so... Like, he stepped out of the box for half a second, pulled his sleeve down, stepped back in the box, and they're like, that's a strike, you're out. It just seemed a little bit too fast for me. I feel like if you move it back five, seven seconds, like, I think you get rid of even my complaining. Like, it it just seems like there's a lot being taken out of the game from a a gamesmanship point of view. You add that with, like, the base check, like, the, whatever, the delays. Before before you would have... Before you'd have a batter step out of the box and adjust his sleeve, and now you have a team of seamstresses <laughs> working together with the players and together with the pitch clock and trying to get the sleeves just right. Beat on, come on, don't you see? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 I don't. <laughs> <laughs> this is no, 
now about inseams and sewing and a, a singer sewing machine. It's like now we have all different elements. You have the equipment manager talking with the players and being like, wait, your sleeve hangs wrong. We have to get you just right in that shirt in order to get in the batter's box on top. <laughs> yeah, so, because if you've I, ever I, done I anything with a brace, it definitely you. stays like, in place. A little bit. And no, I hear you. It's a little bit like. But what I say to that is like, um, like if you look at like the countdown, uh, not the countdown, the uh, shot clock. <laughs> I'm a big, uh, I'm obviously a big basketball fan. But if you look at the shot clock, it's like if a guy's shoes come untied, you call a timeout or you deal with it. <laughs> it's like they don't say like, well, you know, the shot clock, man, that really, that made him trip over his shoelaces. They really should do something about that shot. It's like, no, it's like, that's a part of the game. And now the pitch clock's a part of the game. So, you there's, know, goodbye. goodbye four <laughs> other people involved on the team that can pick up his slack while he ties his shoes. There's nobody in baseball. If you have to tie your shoes now, you have to use your one timeout. Like, it's just, I don't, I don't. It's common sense. Like, if you need to tie a shoe, if you need to pull up a race, like, you do it. And the pitch, like, the pitch clock and the shot clock are two completely separate issues. Like, if you remove the the shot clock from basketball, that game changes completely. Like, it changes 100%. If you've watched a high school basketball game where they score, like, 10 to 5, you know it changes. Like, it's different. There's, it, it's not, we're not even in the same ballpark as, as the shot clock. Like I, I don't, I don't watch basketball. I know so. you don't watch any other sports. <laughs> it's fine, Gray. I mean, it's, it's not like your site has like I'm other sports saying, that it supports okay, or anything, I'm just, I'm but just saying, I'm just saying from a, a completely selfish uh, point of view, it's nice to be have. It's nice to be able to watch games and have them over in like two and a half hours. I think there's also a standpoint of like, I'm not married. I have no kids. I really have like outside of work and the stuff I do for for this and in my golf addiction, I really have no responsibility. So like I don't really give a crap if a game takes three and a half hours. If you have a kid, I mean maybe you wanted it done in two and a half. I get it. And if you're at the ballpark, I could see how it would be a benefit. Benefit like if the game starts at eight, you don't want to be there till midnight. You can get home at eleven. I get it in the live sense, but like how many live games does anybody go to that like even people who have season tickets aren't going to every games. And most people go to like five, yeah. one. I know. Like, you don't, it, you don't, I mean, let's, let's move past. Be, no, the, you'll the be, I part. mean, I feel like you're, you're going to have, you'll have other things you're, you're wrong about. Just let, let this it's be. Fine. One let, of we things. can, we can go on. Let's talk about what it's actually changing though. Let's, let's talk about the changes that have happened. I mean, the first thing I think most obvious one is obviously stolen bases. Last year, John Birdie had 41 as the leader. So, so, so far in four days, Jorge Mateo already has four. I mean... He won. <laughs> uh, I mean, is this like the speed version of the juiced ball? Like, when we get... like It used to be like 25 homers in the last round. Who cares? We can get that everywhere. Now, is it going to be like everybody steals 20 bases? Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think that... There is gonna, there is something to the the steals are out of control. Man. It's out. Of, it's <laughs> absolutely absurd. The steals are absurd. I I do. I I mean, again, I like chaos. <laughs> <Just in general. laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm I'm I like it. I I mean, I'm enjoying the games. I think it's absolutely nuts, though. I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I do think 
I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I honestly don't think it's going to happen because I think people, I think a lot of people are enjoying the chaos like like I am. So I don't think it's going to change. <laughs> but I do think you probably should go back to like, like you should be able to do more pickoff moves. Like, this is crazy <laughs> that like, if you throw over once, you're essentially, you're, you're done for. You just give him the base. Like, <laughs> if it's Trey Turner's on first base, he's just taking it. I mean, the funniest thing was in the first game of the season, or the first steal even, um, Ronald Acuna Jr. was on first, and uh, Corbin threw over <laughs> once, and then he threw over a second time, and Acuna went back to the base, and he was like, you know, throwing his hands up to the ump, like, you can't throw over twice, and the ump's like, no, you can throw over twice, that's it. <laughs> Like that, like the players didn't even know at that point, like the rule. So it's like, uh, okay. I mean, players have been playing this game for, you know, their entire lives and they don't know the, they don't know the rules. Well, the rules <laughs> just change. They don't the bring the whole thing no, to play a whole no, life. I, no, I understand. <laughs> but it's just kind of funny that like made like professional athletes don't know the rules of their own game. <laughs> but anyway, um, so at that point he realized that, you know, it was two because the um told him. Um, so then obviously he stole. So it's like you're kind of limited to walk off because if you go to the second, you're just basically done. You're you're completely ruined as a pitcher if you throw over two times. Like there is no throwing over two times. Like you can legally throw over two times, but the second time you throw over, the guy's going to be like, "Well, on the you can't throw over again." So I'm just going to take the next. <laughs> I'm going to be halfway up the baseline, like yeah, on the ball yeah, exactly. Um, so, but <laughs> it's so funny too, that like the rule is like, you can throw over a third time, but you actually have to pick them off. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> what's the chances of that? Um, but anyway, but I, I do like, I do think like, there's just, I mean, steals are out of control, man. <laughs> they are so out of control. I don't, no one anticipated this. I don't care what, I don't care uh, whose projections you look at. There was no one thinking like, there's going to be. Probably at least three, three to five players that steal like fifty plus bags, <laughs> like fifty plus, and there's gonna be there's gonna be a couple dozen who steal like thirty plus at least. I mean, there's so many steals. Like you could see, like I could see a scenario where like, I mean, like Juan Soto. We'll take him because he's not really uh, necessarily a, 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 a steals guy. I could see him stealing like 15 plus bags. Like everyone is going to steal like Goldschmidt, who's usually like around 20. Like he could get to 25, 30. Like steals are just like you could basically, if you get on first, like if you walk or get a, a, a hit, like you could basically take second. <laughs> like it's really, <laughs> like it's basically like you're getting a double. Um, and I, I think that. Like I don't like I I enjoy it um, you know as a fan of the game <laughs> I think it's fun I think it's kind of fun but I do think it's probably a little out of control <laughs> like it's a little nuts when you're like yeah there there could potentially be like Jorge Mateo could steal ninety bags <laughs> potentially <laughs> I mean you know I don't know uh, I'm sure you hate it too because you, oh, yeah. you hate of course I hate it Gray I mean. Okay, so we're so so in, in regards to the pitch, so we have the pitch clock. They already know when the pitch has to go home. So in, on top of that, they can't throw over to check the runner. 
more than twice. Like, and if you step off the mound, that counts as one. That's an engagement. So if you step off the mound and throw over once, that's it. Or if your catcher calls timeout because he gets hit in, the, hit in the balls with a pitch, that's an engagement. That can't throw over again. It's just, I, I don't like it, Gray, and uh, I'm going to continue to not like it. it. It is, look, I will say, it is fun. Like, if your only goal is to have more fun, like, them running all over the place, is, is it's, it's fun. Do I think it's good baseball? Not necessarily. Um, but it's the way that it seems like it's going. And in regards to the increase, I have some. This is probably the, uh, I mean, it's probably like the throw over, like the steals, like how, uh, what was it? 1969 uh, when they, uh, they, uh, they lowered the mound. Like the, uh, I think the, cha- I think that this could be the biggest change we see in baseball. Like the, uh, the steals, like if they don't, if they don't somehow ramp it back, there's a potential for the steals being like, you know, bigger, like a bigger change in baseball than we've seen in like, you know, 45 years. <laughs> like yeah. it's like, like bigger than the DH even like this is like, I I mean, this changes the, the game completely. Like if you were to redo watching, you know, watching the actual games, and looking at our, all the projections, like if you were to redo your projections, you'd have to add at least 10 steals that literally everyone except for like the slowest of the slow. Like it's not going to probably change Vogelback, <laughs> but <laughs> I could see even like Pete Alonso stealing like five to seven bags this year. It's because it's like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it's, we we just have to look at it a little bit differently right now. And just the numbers real quick. It's been four days. There's been 70 stolen bases in four days versus 29 last year. Uh, and I would say that there's two areas this is affecting. It's it's stolen bases and it's BABIP, which is the shift, not the, not the pitch clock. Well, maybe the pitch clock to some extent, but the shift as well. BABIP this year is 301. BABIP last year was 276. That has raised batting average from 230 last year to 245. Everything else is pretty much in line with what we've seen. Like the runs and RBIs are within 10 of each other. Uh, the plate appearances are fairly in line. They're one home run different. Home run the fly ball is 0.6% different. Like there's very little that's changed outside of stolen bases and then the, the batting average. So those are the two things I think that we're seeing come up. And again, if we could go back and redo projections, I think both those things probably come up assuming the rules stay in place as they are currently. Yeah. Like I think like I think in a best case scenario, it would be like the steals would go up like maybe 5%. Not, <laughs> you know, 2. Uh, 2 times uh, 2 and a half yeah, times. Not not, two, not 200%. <laughs> I I you know, I would think like if the top the top uh speed guys in the league, like if they were to have like you know, maybe an extra five steals on the year, like things would have, you know, been uh, appropriately fixed. But I think that you're seeing, you're going to see guys like go from like 40 steel guys to become 70 plus steel guys. And that's just like, you know, it's as goofy as like when McGuire and Sosa were hitting 70 home runs every year, it's like something's something's off. You know, it's obvious. It shouldn't, <laughs> and it shouldn't really. It shouldn't take 15 years for them to fix it because it's obviously wrong. But 
again, I don't think anything's going to get changed. <laughs> I think this is what we're going to see. Like, I don't have any faith in, like, Manfred and the commissioner's office changing things to properly, uh, you know, um, uh, 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 adjust for the changes that they've made. Like, I, I just don't see it. Like, you know, now that they did the pitch clock, probably – you should have as many pickoffs as you need. Un- unfortunately, that that sort of defeats the purpose of the pitch clock a little bit when there's runners on, but you can't have a situation where the runners are just running at, at free, their free will. Like it's like whenever they want to steal, they steal. Yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> honestly, like, it was it's just not even, it's not even close. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like goofy. It's gone so far the other way, you know? I think adding the pitch clock, the limited pickoffs, and the bigger bases all at one time has all combined to give us this, like, superstorm of stolen bases. And I think it was just too much all at once. Like, if you kind of layer it in a little bit, maybe it, it slowly ticks up and ramps up. But adding it all in, I, I think it's just we've, we've, we're going into the speed era. I guess, would you target more stolen bases, or do you just think, like, whoever you had is just going to steal more. So to some extent, it's just kind of going to fix itself unless you didn't have any stolen bases. Well, no, I, I think you're, you know, actually someone in the comments that I, I don't remember who it was, but someone uh, asked a question like, uh, I think it was something, I don't even know the names now, but it was something like, do you want uh, Trevor Larnick on your bench or Jorge Mateo on your bench? Uh, should I be, you know, they asked something like, should I be, looking to possibly move power into my lineup when I have an extra spot or should I be look, looking to move speed into my lineup? And I was like, absolutely go with Mateo. I mean, you gotta, you have to stay on top of speed at this point. Otherwise like you could fall back, like, especially like in head to head, you know, is it's, it's its own beast, but in like a redraft five by five, you could fall behind in speed real fast. Like if you, if you don't have enough speed on your team, like you could fall 20 steals behind the leader in like a second, <laughs> like <laughs> in like a week, you could be like, uh, okay. So I guess I'm playing for second place in steals. Like there's, you know, so I would definitely be like, I would be making sure I have enough speed on my teams. Like, cause you know, there's going to be guys who obviously are going to steal and that's all they're going to do. And, you know, the Sagnoff guys and, like, the Jorge Mateos, like, yeah, I mean, they're suddenly much more interesting to me. You know, if I were if I were re-ranking, I'd probably move Mateo up because I, I think you got to have – you got to have speed. You have to have – you have to be able to contend in all categories. Like, you shouldn't ever be punting any category. And, you know, like you mentioned – homers per fly ball and homers in general are basically flat year over year. So, and speed is so far up. So if you're going to fall behind in speed, you're going to get left behind. Yeah. So that's what I was going to bring up is since the home runs have stayed static, like the home run number you already had in your mind at the draft room is still the same. That hasn't changed, but the stolen base number that you're, you're looking for just went up by like a hundred. So you have to chase stolen bases if you didn't already have it as something you were going to address in the draft room. Uh, Random idea, Gray, before we move on to the last bit of news. I I think we need to make the timed out pitches like a balk or like, I know you don't understand this, but it might be a little easier for our 
listeners, if they listen watch football, like a false start in football, where like if the quarterback gets it, he can just chuck it downfield and it doesn't matter because if it's picked off, it's coming back anyways. Same thing with a balk. Like if there's a balk called, he throws the pitch, the hitter can have free reign. He can swing. If he gets an out, they just reset. I kind of like that idea for the timed out pitches if we're just going to go fun because then you get pitches, hitters just wailing at these timed out pitches and you get just massive You can't shots. though. <laughs> yeah, but you can't do that because... Why? Because it would change the game and make it more fun, Gray? I mean... No, because it would be, da- <laughs> be dangerous because a guy is throwing a 100-mile-per-hour ball and the... And the hitter doesn't know what's going on. Like it's still the same. We're still. I mean, that's still going to happen at the end of the time. Like the pitcher is either throwing it at the end of the pitch clock, or they're holding it up and and eating it. Like so, you're basically not telling. So you're you're just not telling the the hitter the pitch clock is essentially what you're saying. No, I'm saying if the pitch clock runs out and the pitcher throws it, so it's a violation. The 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 hitter just gets to swing. So, so the pitcher doesn't know the pitch. One of the no, players- they both still have ideas of the pitch. They, st- they both still see the pitch clock. But if the hitter watches the one turn zero, and then yeah, the pitcher have, throws it, have, so what are you going to have a, a buzzer go off when the yeah, when the either a buzzer or you just monitor it. You just don't have you the ref call monitor, it until afterwards. You can't monitor the pitch clock while you're in the batter's box. And I mean, that's kind of what they're asking them to do right now, isn't it? A hundred mile per hour. No, the ump calls. T- ump says. <laughs> violation or whatever the ump says. I don't know. I didn't go to ump school. But the ump says something, and then it's like, okay, I got a strike, or there's a ball, you know. And then they they explain what who who uh, violated the clock. All right, all right. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about some of the players here. Um, let's talk about let's let, let's just go into our confirmation bias right got right now and, and just start talking about guys. I mean, Jordan. I mean, were we were we right or were we right on Jordan Gray? <laughs> we were so right, right. <laughs> we were right, right, right. We were even. We might even been right, 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 right. I, you know, honestly, with like Jordan, like, and this is a, a this is a phenomenon I I notice with um with uh, you know uh, fantasy baseball. I'm sure I'm sure it happens in fantasy football and other sports, but with fantasy baseball or you know maybe just athletes in general, you have like a situation where it's like, there's no, there's no news really. It's like, it's spring training and, you know, uh, you know, apply this in football to like it's training camp or whatever. And there's no real news. So everyone overreacts to like the smallest little thing. And it's like, you know, a uh, Gray, are you worried that Jordan hasn't been, uh, you know, hasn't been in games yet? It's March 12th. <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, I was concerned. I mean, I honestly, I, I'm not above it. Like, I'm not above being, you know, a, a nervous Nelly, <laughs> as as a person in the 1940s would say. I'm not a, I'm not above it. I mean, I, I totally understand where people are coming from. It, it did make me a little nervous. That Jordan was, uh, you know, not in spring training games, but we have to like, we have to realize that like, you have a guy who's like, like all last year, he he was so good last year, and he still, like, you know, and it's like he had the hand issue last year, and he was still so good, but now suddenly because like it's the second week of March. Like he's not going to be good this season. It's like it was ridiculous for us to worry about you. I mean, he's so good. He's just so good. Like maybe 
you know, maybe he sits like he sat on Sunday. Maybe he sits like occasionally. Maybe he only plays 135 games versus 150. You know, so take 15 games off of his stat line. So you lose out on, you know, two homers and 10 runs and 10 steal. I mean, excuse me, 10 RBIs. Actually, you might lose out on 10 steals too because of <laughs> the, uh, the, the stuff we talked about earlier. But, I mean, it's like – there's no, there's no real like you know. It's just like it's just a lack of news in March that gets people all so super nervous about like stuff that they shouldn't be worrying about. And it's like it's sort of like the overreaction that's going on right now with like you know only having four games played that you have a you know a situation where it's like wow you know I can't <laughs> I can't believe how good CJ Crone is. It's like I mean he was good last April. Come on guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like I, I think Jordan, you know, Jordan's excellent. Assuming he's healthy, which he seems to be healthy, he's going to be a top like, you know, 15 bat for the year. Uh, you know, I, and the 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 fact that I was in a main event league, you know, me and Donkey, we drafted that main event team and in, uh, in Vegas, and the fact that we were able to get Jordan at 22 overall, it's just like, it's goofy, man. It just doesn't, like, people, so that even shows you, like, I, I mean, it doesn't necessarily, just because you have, you know, uh, $2,000 to spend on a league doesn't mean you know what you're doing necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> so don't so don't, so don't, don't take this the wrong way. But, I mean, those people, you would assume you would weed out a lot of, like, novices at least. And those people still are, like, nervous about Jordan to the point where he falls to 22 overall. It was like, that's a gift for us to get Otani and Jordan in the same 15 team league. Like what? Like that doesn't like, you should not be able, you should not like that should not be allowed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like someone, someone should have stepped in and been like, no, I'm sorry. You have to, you have to draft Jordan <laughs> before <laughs> gray and donkey can. But yeah, I mean, you know, this happens every year, though. This is not new. It's not just Jordan either. It's a lot of players that you have like a situation where you know things are just. It's just obvious that what's going to happen. Yet people get nervous. I mean, I I got nervous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, completely right. And I tend to be on the like, unless it's meaningful, unless there is a, a you know an injury. He's gone to an MRI. He's got an MRI. It's bad. Or there's actionable information in regards to like where somebody's batting, that kind of information. I kind of just, I, I, I tend to just kind of push it aside. That's hurt me in, in the past before when somebody did have a real injury that I kind of marked off. But like this one seems so much like we just want him healthy. We just want him healthy for the start of the start of the season. So any draft discount you got on Jordan, congratulations. You know, I don't want to spend too much time patting ourselves on the back, so I'll just bring up two more guys real quick. And and just do you believe in them keeping, you know, what we what what they've done and, and what we expected going? And that's that's uh Odell Cruz and uh Taylor Ward. Taylor Ward's gotten off to a great start. He has a home run, a stolen base, he's he's hitting five hundred. Uh O'Neill Cruz has a home run, and maybe most importantly about O'Neill Cruz, he has one strikeout through the first weekend, Gray. One strikeout. Right. 
Well, that was the that was the thing. I mean, I know you you heard me because well, I, actually, I don't. You might mute me <laughs> when I when I'm talking, but I mean, you heard what I was saying, like with uh, O'Neill Cruz for well, first of all, Taylor Ward's super. I mean, I wrote a sleeper post on him in December. I love Taylor Ward the entire preseason. I I told everyone to draft him, but with O'Neill Cruz. It was so obvious to me that I kept repeat. I felt like I kept repeating myself with O'Neill Cruz that like last September, after he had his own hitting coach come in, his strikeouts cut by like ten percent. Like he was better. It was like why? Why was it like you know? Why was it like Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo or even Mike Trout? Why? Why were they able to come up and like hit like? 220 in their rookie seasons and everyone was like able to see like through that and be like okay well they can get better they were just rookies but O'Neill Cruz was like everyone was looking at O'Neill Cruz and it was like well yeah I mean if you want the strikeouts that's a great pick Gray it's like what are you talking about like why is why is he like set in stone for the rest of his life for what he did like his first two months as a rookie, like that's ludicrous. Like that is so dumb. Like he's so talented and yet everyone was looking at him and they were like, yeah, if you don't mind the average drain, great pick by you. Like what? Like that's so like, it's just so, I don't know, man. Like it, and it's like people even now, like I, I, for some reason, I don't know what it is. I, honestly, it's baffling to me because I, I even feel like at this point, people are still waiting for the other shoe to drop with uh, O'Neill Cruz. Like they still don't believe it. Like I, I don't know what it is. Like it's just like everyone is just convinced that he's a thirty-five percent strikeout rate guy. It's like he doesn't have to be just because he was literally for like. Three three of four months his rookie year. He wasn't even that in the final month of his rookie season. He had already started to get better. I don't know, man. It's baffling. Yeah, I, I will say I didn't think the K rate would come down to this degree because I mean, even when he improved, he was still a high twenties, tried twenties percent K rate guy. It wasn't like he was completely not striking out. No, like if he continues no, this, it's saying, absurd. I'm not saying. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he's suddenly. A uh, a five Luis to seven percent strikeout guy. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying he's Luis Reyes. I mean, it'd be beautiful if he hit <laughs> four hundred. <laughs> it would be amazing if he hit four hundred and he went forty forty. But you guys, like, honestly, like the the amount of people that were out there convinced that he was going to be a thirty five percent strikeout rate guy for his entire career, just simply because he did it for two to three months of his rookie season, it was like, I mean, in AAA last year, he had a 22% strikeout rate. Like he wasn't, (laughs) I mean, it's not like he was always this incredibly like, you know, uh, bad contact, bad plate discipline guy. Like it was not, that was not the case. He was just a rookie. That's it. I don't know, man. I honestly... It's really it's uh, it's surprising of how many smart like relatively or people who I at least think are smart think that like O'Neill Cruz was always going to be like a thirty plus strikeout rate guy. It's like no, that's not that's not the case. 
bat hitters get better. Like they get like not only was he not that in the minors, they just get better. Hitters get better. That's just how that's just what they do. So I don't know, man. It's weird. And honestly, it's one of the it's one it was one of the weirder things I I saw this um preseason with like people's narratives that are just like so set in stone. It's just it's it's kind of similar though to like how everyone is just so convinced that they need a, a top starter. Uh, you know, they need to draft a top starter and then like, you know, Jeffrey Springs will be better than Corbin Burns and everyone's like, you know, everyone like lose their head and it's like, oh my God, like what? <laughs> like, guys, I mean, this happens every year. <laughs> this, is not, <laughs> this is not new. This is not new. It's like even the smartest of the smart fantasy players, you'll, you'll see them, you know, write or tweet about stuff that you're like. Okay, man. If you really think you need a a top reliever, even after what happened with Rossiel and Edwin Diaz, I mean, go for it. If you if you think you need it, go, go, go with God, man. Do what you have to do. But <laughs> I mean, I I mean, obviously the Edwin thing was a fluke injury. So I mean, you know, people write stuff off in their head, and they're like, well, you know, it was a fluke injury. That has nothing to do with drafting, like you know, um, Josh Hader or or uh, or you know, or uh, Class A or something. Like, uh, okay, if you say so, I'll just go ahead and draft the uh, Alexis Diaz's of the world, like a hundred picks later. Go go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we've kind of been on that. You know, from for a while. I mean, the echo chamber gets a hold of things, and they just they stick. Like whether they're right or wrong, some things just stick because people start to hear it from everybody. They hear it from the right people, and then they believe it. Uh, now, you know, one thing we've always been a proponent of is is not drafting catchers high, and I still stand by that. One of the ones we we mentioned specifically was Adley Rushman because people were all over him in draft season. He was going as the second or third catcher off the board. I mean, he's been he's been very good here to start the season, though. Gray, are, we, are you coming around on Adley as a whole? Let's ignore the catcher position thing for now. But as a as a catch within the position, is he starting to climb or still wait and see? Uh, well, see, I look I look at the catchers like this, and and this is sort of this goes for all positions. Uh, with position scarcity, uh, is a bad it's a bad term that people should forget forever. But if you look at like Adelaide Rushman and uh, and catchers just in general or any position, if they're if you could take away their uh, position and they're still good for fantasy, then that's good. Then that's fine. You know, if if you look at Adelaide Rushman and you're and you get like a thirty homer, three hundred season with like uh you know. 80 RB, 85 RBIs and, you know, 70 to 75 runs. That's a solid year. If that's probably top, you know, 50 type season, if you get that, then great. That's, that's a, that's worth having and worth drafting in the top 50. If you get that, I don't think you're going to get it. I honestly, like I, I, Camden Yards really stinks for hitting. It's, um, you know his his lineup is his lineup's not bad. I mean, because they're they're just so crazy on the base paths. But I, I mean, if he gets like you know, I I still feel like he's twenty a twenty homer hitter. If he hits twenty homers and hits two uh two seventy five two eighty five, that's a fine year. Is that better than 
you know, off the top of my head, say CJ Crone. Is that better than CJ Crone? No. Is CJ Crone much more available in, you know, either drafts or in a trade now that we're in the season? Like, no. I, I think you can probably get CJ Crone for Adelaide Rushman in most leagues. And, and people would be like, you know, I would, you know, people would probably think the Adelaide side's better, but is it necessarily better? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't really, I don't put like catchers on a pedestal. I think they're, you know, if their stats are good for any position, then they're good. Then that's great. But I don't think Adelaide Rushman is necessarily going to be good for every, uh, for just like you know a like a position generic like u- utility for instance i don't think it's going to be like you know a 30 homer season 300 average from him maybe i'm wrong you know it's a really small sample size so i'm not really changing anything based off of uh you know four games or three games excuse me for him uh, four games by the time people listen to this but yeah i don't think uh i'm not going to change anything based off of that but i think he's if he's a 17 to 22 homer guy with 275 average, 280, eh, that's fine. I mean, it's nothing special. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably be trading him away if I had him. I, I'm still not, like, you know, I'm still not crazy about him. It's fine. It's not necessarily anything that, like, you can't find, you know, like, you could back into that year from, like, you could, Jorge Solar could do a year like that. Like it's not out of like the realm of possibilities that any middle of the order bat could have a 25 homer 270 year. I mean, Jorge Solar is going to hit for a lower average, but he's going to hit for more power. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm still not a, I'm not a huge fan just because he's a catcher. <laughs> that's not fair (laughs) okay uh if i set the over under at 20 home runs which would be higher than i I think what we project or you'd projected for him in the preseason you're taking the over under Mm. uh i'm gonna take the i'm gonna take the under just by a hair it's close Uh, i see projections have him at 19 homers um so you know 19 uh, 19 is you know is below 20. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sophocles. But yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I think I, I'd take the under just barely, but that's because of the park. I think the park's just so bad. It's Camden is just so bad. You yeah. know, um, yeah. Fenway is great. I mean, if he was playing 80 games in Fenway, I would like him more. I still wouldn't like him as much as people liked him in the preseason. I would like him more, though, if he was playing every game at Fenway. I mean, yeah, Fenway's a great park for a hitter. Yeah. All right, moving on. We talked about C.J. Crone a couple of times, just kind of bringing his name up. I mean, this is a guy I really was worried about. His second half was so awful. But it sounds like you were, you're kind of just in on C.J. Crone back to, like, what he did kind of last season, at least across, you know, across the whole season, um, was 260-29 homers is, is that's, Kind of where you're seeing him? Is this just another fast start? What are you doing with CJ Crone? Would you move him? Are you holding? Because I'm, yeah, I, I still don't know if I trust trusted Gray even even with you know the good start, which is nice to see. Yeah, no, I mean, I think at this point, until we see something uh, different, I think we have to consider him a, a first half hitter and and start looking to trade him in like uh, June. You know, I I think he's. 
I think he's been solid now. You know, like you mentioned already, he was solid last first half. He started off hot this year. I, I mean, until I see different, I'm going to assume he's a, a good April-May hitter and then, you know, start to look to trade him. I, I'm not necessarily sold on him for the full year, but if he gets to 15 homers by June, he's going to get to 27 homers on the year, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's there might also be a mental aspect to where, like, let's just be honest, the Rockies aren't a very good team. So, like, maybe at the end of last season, it was just really hard to to get up for every single game when the Rockies are floundering and they're doing moves for no reason that nobody understands constantly. So um, that's just some random nonsense that probably doesn't mean anything. But I'm with you. I I think I'm I'm in on CJ Crone for the time being, but... If, if I got the right offer, I'm not afraid to go ahead and move on from him if I have first base. Corner infield covered. Speaking of corner infield being covered, Yoan Moncada. I mean, not exactly killing it, but better than what we saw last year. The approach at the plate seems like he's, he's you know, at least improving on what we saw from, from 2022. He's already got two homers, which is like a tenth of, or a fifth of the way to what he had last year. Are you seeing a bounce back for Yoan Moncada, or is this just kind of a he, the right moment in time and, and Houston is a, a good place for him to hit? A, a sixth of the way to what he had last year. Sorry. A sixth of the way. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, now uh, who's 85? I have, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to put away my abacus now. Uh <laughs> Abacus. Uh, I can speak well. Um, uh, Abacus. Uh, anyway, uh, Mankana, I think is, uh, I think he's right now is a small sample. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, you know, he's striking out almost 30, 37% of the time. Uh, again, you know, we're recording this on Monday. So if he goes like four for four with no strikeouts in his next game, you may look at this and the numbers could change dramatically because it's like such a small sample that it's, it's hard to really like pinpoint what he's doing, you know, necessarily right or wrong. I mean, his Babbitt is 667. I mean, that's better than even his 2019 Babbitt. I mean, it's like, (laughs) you know, everything's like ludicrous right now for uh, Mankata. I do think um, I I'm in, I'm more interested now though than I was you know, uh, uh, six weeks ago, I'll, I'll say that, like, I was totally out on them, but you know, like people were saying in the comments today on Razzball that like, you know, they were like, Oh, uh, would you pick up like, um, I want to say like a Nolan Gorman or Jan Mankata. And I would say Mankata because at least, well, Gorman has playing time issues, but Mankata, like, you know, maybe this is something, like maybe maybe this is a breakout. Like who knows? I you know it's like I don't know necessarily yet. I don't think it is because like you can't just judge like a guy's season off of four games. So I mean this it, it was literally one series. Like if this one series happened in July after he hit like you know two ten. For the first three months, you'd be like, who cares? It's like a hot potato, you know, grab them if you want, but be ready to move on. But just because it happened in the first four games, it's, it looks like, you know, oh, the breakout is here. Like, well, I don't know, maybe, but I would at least pick them up just in case. Like, 
I'm not above, you know, picking up a guy off of waivers just to see if the breakout is actually happening. I don't think it's happening, but there's not enough information yet to know whether it is or not. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's the right way to approach it. And, I mean, Mankata is one where there's even the narrative to f- kind of fit the bounce back. He was hurt last year. He said it, like he never really got to 100%. Said he's feeling as good as he has in three years. Like, all the all the narrative stuff is there to say, okay, maybe it is time for him to get back on track and become that, like, 25 home run hitter that he once was. So I'm with you that it's worth a pickup. See if it's there. Third base is such a just crapshoot anyways. Like, you really... If you have an extra third baseman sitting around, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you could you could do a lot worse than picking up Mankata if he's available in your league. Bobby Witt Jr., I know this is one I was on, and I think you were off or, like, down down the road a little off. bit. Off. Off. Where are you at, Bobby Witt Jr.? I'm, I'm not worried. He's going to be fine. Are you Are you taking victory laps yet, Greg? I am, I am taking victory laps. I told everyone <laughs> to avoid Bobby Witt Jr., you're welcome. If he starts hitting from game five on, <laughs> don't don't look at me. <laughs> I'm already out. No, I mean, I, I told I I was out on him in the preseason. I told everyone to avoid him, but I can't take a victory lap yet. We'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I I honestly I have a lot of I have a lot of issues. I have a lot of problems with uh, BWJ. Um, hopefully, he's fine, but. We'll see. I mean, like I've said in the past, like I get no, like it, it doesn't really help me if like the guys they say are bad end up being bad. Like my team should be good from the guys I draft. It, it, like I don't need other people to be bad in order for my teams to be good. I'm, <laughs> I'll do just fine with my, you know, my Taylor Wards and Yordan Alvarez's of the world. If you, if you do well with Bobby Witt Jr., then more power to you. But I do think Bobby Witt Jr. is in for a a bad year. Like, I honestly, I've been saying that, though, all preseason. Like, I don't, I haven't been in on Bobby Witt Jr. at all this year. I'm nowhere, like, especially his ADP. His ADP was ludicrous at, like, I think it ended up being, like, around eight or nine overall. Like, think about eight or nine overall, like, when, like, guys like, you know, Vlad Jr. were going like 12th. Like, what? Like, I mean, it's, I, I know the steals, steals and power help. Anyway, you know, long story short is I'm not taking a victory lap yet, but I will be soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, I am not worried. Of course, I am the Bobby Wood Jr. fan on the podcast. Uh, I am one of those people, as, as if you've been listening to the podcast, I had him at seven in my rankings overall. So I absolutely love him. Look, it, the same thing we said for Yohan Makata. If this happened in June and he had one hot series, we wouldn't say anything. Nothing would really change. Same thing happens here. If if Bobby Witt Jr. had a cold series in June, just be like, yeah, it's fine. He'll be fine next next week. Again, I'm I'm assuming this could be fine. For what it's worth, he didn't exactly start off last year very strong either, so he could just be a guy who ramps up. He did have a slow start because he didn't really play in the WBC because the American team was absolutely stacked. So maybe it's just a bit of a ramp up period because he didn't really have a spring training and he didn't really play in the WBC. I would still be trading for him, especially if you get somebody who's listening to gray and panicking a little bit. (laughs) 
All right, Gray, were we just a little bit early on John, Jonathan Indy and Alec Baum? Are they ready? Is it time? Uh, you know, I with I think uh, yes. <laughs> I think I think yes. With India specifically, I think he was just injured last year. Like I, I think in retrospect, we're going to look back on last year and be like, yeah, we should have just ignored it. Like I. I think he just had a. I think he had a bad year because it was just like he had like uh, injuries compounding themselves, and it just was like you know, and he never really got into a groove. Um, boy, you got to prove your love to me. Sorry, <laughs> I have I have Madonna Tourette's. I don't know. Um, I, Alec Baum, I think is is good. I think he's always been good. I just don't think he has like huge power upside and you know if you all you need to do is look at like Yelich to see like how hard it is to change like the plane of your uh, your hitting plane like it's not easy to change a launch angle so I think Alec Baum was I think Alec Baum is good he's always been good I don't think we're going to get like a huge power surge from him uh you know because I think he's more of a line drive hitter but I think he's a good line drive hitter I think I like Indian Baum I like them both actually I would I was willing to draft. I was willing to go back in on India. Unlike guys like Jose Barrios, where, where I've I made a uh, a shrine to the devil for him in my office. Like Jonathan India, I was back in on this year. I didn't. I don't think I actually drafted him anywhere, but I would have. I was I was willing to. Um, and Bomb, I liked. I just didn't, I don't think I drafted him either. But I, I did like Bomb. Yeah, I, I think I was kind of in that same camp. There was it was kind of a do I need that position and. Like, it, it, did he fall into the right spot for me? And I think I have, like, one share of India, and I might have a couple of Baum, just because third base was so bad that, like, just getting a getting Alec Baum to give you 280 and, and, and counting stats was, was acceptable at some point with some upside. Um, he did raise his launch angle a little bit last year, so I'm hoping maybe there's a little bit to continue. But until we really see otherwise, I'm pretty much with you. He's going to be an average He's going to give you some home runs. I think he probably hits more than 13 that he hit last year, but I don't know that that's a significant increase. And he's going to give you the counting stats because he's he's in the right part of the order. India, I I'm I want to say I'm with you that we kind of ignore last year and and we move forward as like a 2010 guy, maybe more because of the all the stolen base opportunities now. Um, but I guess the, the the point for me is like if he doesn't improve on what he did in 2021, which was 21, 12, 269. You're going to get a plus on your your investment this year, but is that? I mean, is that overly special? Like, is it is it something to chase? Uh, I guess. Would you rather have like India Bomb or uh, Yohan Mankata if we're talking about those three? Because those are the kind of the names we've we've thrown out so far. Uh I, I think I think India is the most interesting, probably because of Cincy mostly. But mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, India is like I think India could give you like you know a twenty twenty homer, seven steal, two seventy season. Bomb feels like a seventeen homer, twelve steal, two ninety. And Mankata, I re- I really don't know what to get from Mankata at this point. I mean, he's just like he's just like, I and mean, he may as well be wearing 
the uh, the Riddler's leotards with like question marks all over him because I I don't know what to do with Moncada. <laughs> I mean, you can get anything from like a thirty homer, fifteen steal, two eighty season from Moncada to anything from like to that to like ten homers, two steals, two twenty. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, so it sounds like it's India bomb Moncada, and for what it's worth, I would have him in that in that same order. Let's talk about a couple of the pitchers who struggled. I mean, let's start with uh, let's start with our boy Alec Manoa. He struggled. It wasn't a great opening. Are you worried about Manoa at all? I know it was one that like you, you and me versus Rudy, pretty much all preseason. Rudy hating him. You and me being like, that's ridiculous. Are you st- we're still on that. Yeah. You're still on that on no, board with me, right? No, no, I, I I've abandoned Shep. <laughs> you beat on no i'm i'm concerned about manoa not to the point i'm not selling low don't get me wrong i'm not like you know looking to move him for a a sack of potatoes i or um andrew andrew chafin who looks like a sack of potatoes (laughs) i I don't like i don't have as much confidence in manoa i'll be honest but I'm not like, you know, I'm I'm not abandoning ship to the point where I'm like, you know, selling him for anything. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully my, um, you know, my nervousness is like is overcome after another start or two. And he's back on the uh, the good ship uh, lollipop with uh, me and Jordan and Joe, Joe Ryan and Jeffrey Springs. But we'll um We'll we'll hope. I'm hoping. I'm still. I'm hoping to be back on Team Manila, but I'm I'm a little nervous. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I will 100% take every single discounted share of Alec Manoa after his first start and laugh all the way to the bank. And if it goes wrong, so be it. Uh, I mean, my eyes tell me he's a good pitcher. The numbers say he's a good pitcher. All the velocity, all the break is still in line with what he did last year. I am. I'm not concerned. I will buy low. The Cardinals just had an amazing opening series against the Blue Jays, um, and that's that's what I'm writing that one off as. Next up is Sandy Alcantara. You and I were universally off him at his ADP, but uh, are the Alcantara owners in for a very rude awakening, Gray? Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, I yeah. I mean, I couldn't put any more off of. Alcantara coming into this year. He was like my number one guy who like I was like rolling my eyes whenever he went off the board in like the first like three to four pitchers. <laughs> I mean, he was going in some leagues. He was going before like Spencer Strider. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, guy, you think so. I mean, if that's really what you think, good luck. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, you know, Alcant- the fact that Alcantara was going as high as he was, I think, shows you that even in the uh, in the best of fantasy leagues, you still have, you know, a few suckers at the table. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Because it was ADP. Like, ADP had him as a top three pitcher, Gray. It wasn't, like, yeah. one or two people. This was this was universal. He was considered, like, a top five, yeah. top three guy. I had him and outside honestly, my top ten. honestly, like, if you have... And if you have a like a situation where like even if he has like another great ERA year and say he has like a, a two five ERA and you know a point nine five WHIP 
and 170 Ks, or actually 160 Ks, and you know 190 innings or whatever you know whatever the stats end up being at the end of the day, and you get 10 wins, <laughs> you're still gonna you're still gonna be like, um, I don't know, maybe I. You know, maybe I I overdrafted a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you could you could probably get that from like uh, you know I don't know. I mean, there's so many pitchers here. Like Sandy Alcantara was like going in a range, whereas like you have to get like where he was going. You you have to guarantee me 220 Ks and like a and and the ratios to go along with it the, the, it's the same ratios as what he's giving but you'd have to guarantee me 220 Ks I know wins are fickle but like you know the fact that he was going at like a range where like Spencer Strider is gonna give you pro- possibly 250 Ks like and he's on a better team so better chance for wins are the ratios gonna be that different that you think, like it, it just never made Sandy Alcantara's draft spot never made any sense. It never did. Like it, at no point. Like he was always like I I ranked him last year as I think I want to say like the 18th uh, starter off the board, and I liked him a lot. I was saying to draft him last year as like the 18th starter. Literally nothing has changed for him from when he was the 18th best starter to this year becoming the quote unquote third best starter. Nothing yeah. changed. Yeah, completely with you. As we said during the pitcher, the, you know, the top pitchers podcast, like 2021 is a very reasonable expectation for what he's going to do this year. He was 27th on the on the player radar as a starting pitcher. Like, that's very much in the realm of possibility. Maybe it's top 20 because the ratios improved from a 3.19 to a, you know, a 2.8 or a, or lower potentially even. But like, a 3.19 is still really hard to do across the major league season. Like a 3-1-9 is a great ERA, but that's that's a top 25 pitcher without the wins instead of a top five pitcher or the number one pitcher overall like he was, um, you know, because of the innings and strikeouts that he had in 2022. Like it's just, it was always a little different. Now the number one pitcher, we agreed he's the number one pitcher, but uh, he struggled out the gate. Corbin Burns got... Hit hard by, not hard, I'm not going to say he got hit hard, but he had runs put out on, up on him by the Cubs of all teams, Gray. Uh, uh, any concern on Corbin, Corbin Burns or can we move on? No, I think we can move on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, Kodai Singa, uh, did you watch him? What do you think, Gray? I mean, this is this is one of your guys. Where are you yeah. at on him? Yeah, no, I watched him. I was... Uh... I was much more bullish on him going into the start. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm, a little, I'm a little concerned. I'll be honest. Like maybe it was nerves a little bit, and I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to overestimate or underestimate how much uh, you know the first major league start maybe was playing into the nerves. But he didn't really seem like he knew where the ball was going <laughs> a ton. <laughs> now against the Marlins, that. That works. That is a uh, that's a a way to you know pitch well <laughs> against the Marlins. You cannot know where the ball is going and still and still do okay. Um, once you get against teams with actual like hitters who can like take a pitch, I don't know, man. I'm I'm concerned about Senga. I'll be honest. I I think he's he could strike out 200 guys in like you know. Uh, and he could still get like 15 wins. Like I still think 
uh, like everything's going to be okay. Like as far as like draft value, like I still think you're going to re- he's still going to return draft value. I and probably even be better. Like you know, if he going to be like uh, you know a a great ratio guy, I don't know, man. He might have he might have some his some blow ups here and there. Uh, like he could potentially put a couple guys on in the, in a wrong situation, you know, um, I think his, his whip could be over 1.32 potentially. Uh, I think the ERA might be, you know, maybe in the three, seven range. Like it's, I don't think he's going to necessarily be a top 20 starter as I was convinced of, um, going into like watching him. I, I think, uh, I think he's probably a little bit more iffy than I expected, but I think it's still going to be fine. Like, I still think he's, I think he's going to be a solid number three starter. I just think I had expectations that he could potentially be a good number two. So I don't know if he's going to be a good number two anymore. Um, But yeah, I'm still holding. I'm not, I'm not selling because it was one start. And he even settled down as the uh, the game went on. So maybe it was just, you know, nerves a little bit. I don't know. But uh, I'm a little bit more concerned than I was, like, you know, last week this time. Yeah, I mean, he had almost a clean third and fourth, and then he, he struck out the, his only batter in the fifth inning that he faced. So I, I feel like it was it was a nerves thing. And he still got through it. Now, he did – he was in a lot of trouble those first two innings and, and kind of got out of it. The line – the line is flattering compared to like how it looked within the first two innings. Five and a third, three hits, one earned run, eight strikeouts. I'm actually encouraged by this. It, it sounds like you're going in the opposite direction. I'm encouraged because, A, he got it together and looked fine as as he as the game went on. But like watching the fork ball go against the major league hitters and them just like looking like they have no idea how to hit it, I actually think the K rate is gonna, is higher than I thought because I was thinking is like he's gonna be like a twenty three twenty four percent K rate guy, you know maybe he's like, you know he kind of sits in that range, but if he's gonna get K's on the fork ball like he was getting in this game, he could be a twenty eight percent or higher even potentially K guy. So I think I'm actually more encouraged and looking to buy if somebody's kind of worried about the shaky first and second innings. Now if they're looking at their numbers, they're not. They're not concerned right now, right? Um, yeah, no. I and there was one, there was one at bat, and I, and I was like, I was half watching because uh, I was, um, I was making soup. Who <laughs> 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 sounds like more of an old man than me? But I, I believe it was on four pitches that he walked. It may not have been four pitches, but he walked Jacob Stallings. I think it was to lead off it, lead off one of the innings. Whatever it was, it was like I just remember thinking, like, how do you walk Jacob Stallings? <laughs> like, <laughs> like and maybe you know what? And I don't have the I don't have the uh, the box score in front of me. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. But there was some situation where it's like, oh my god, like you can't walk this guy. Like that's <laughs> like that shows to me like you're just like you're unable to throw a strike if you're walking a guy like that because like that is the type of hitter where you could throw them anything it doesn't matter 
Like you, like I could pitch to Jacob Stallings. Like he can't do anything with he can't do anything with a sixty mile per hour fastball. Like it doesn't matter if it's like if you could throw well or not. Like Jacob Stallings is just like you can't ever walk Jacob Stallings because because <laughs> all you have to do is throw a strike in order to get him out. Like that's literally all you have to do. And if you can't do that, that that's concerning to me. <laughs> that's all. I'm a little concerned. I want to be back in you know full-throated back in loving Senga so hopefully the next start is you know a little bit more uh, uh, confirming of my previous love <laughs> yeah I, I actually think it will be and again I, I think if you can if you can buy low on him or, or maybe buy it like what ADP was which was already a, a value if you were going off of gray or eyes ranks I, I think that you can trade for him right now and, and still get get those numbers um the one I and the like he made Yuli Gurriel look awful, and Yuli Gurriel does not swing and miss very often. Yuli Gurriel threw his bat halfway down the down the the uh, third baseline, trying to hit that the splitter fork ball. Um, so I'm 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 going out there. Chris Bassett does not have nasty stuff. Are are you worried about Chris Bassett, Gray? He's always been a consistent, you know, ratios guy. He got to Toronto. People were like, oh, he's going to get some wins. He'll be like basically what he was last year. Are you worried? Uh, I am. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty concerned about Chris Bassett. Uh, I want to. I want to say his velocity was down. Uh, he didn't really have much velocity to, to give as it was. And uh, yeah, I'm concerned about him, man. I I absolutely am. I I mean, I I would try and hold him in most leagues uh, because you know usually. He's uh, a solid, you know, number three where you can have like uh, he's a good ratio bat. But if he's not pitching, you know, for good ratios, then not good. You know, he's not not a great strikeout guy. So if he's not getting good ratios and, you know, what are we doing with him? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned with Bassett to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. I was, I was concerned coming into the year with the velocity potentially down. It was down in the spring. And for whatever reason, he's not throwing the slider. Um, I don't know if that's the move from the slider to the cutter, and that's that's the change he's made. But when there's a pitch mix change and it starts off badly, that that is something I, I tend to pay attention to. The velocity is not great, but he has been ramping up, and he started velocity low last year. So I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass on the velocity for you know a couple more starts, see if it continues to tick up. But I am. I am worried about Chris Bassett. You know, I, I think in the shallow leagues, you can go ahead and cut him. In, in you know, in a, in a standard league, I think I'm holding on to see if that velocity returns and he can give you kind of what you were expecting. But if the velocity doesn't return, he doesn't get the slide. He doesn't start throwing the slider again. Uh, I'm I'm definitely going to have concerns and he's, he's going to be on the top of the cut list if, if he doesn't get it together. Let's move on to some news here, Gray. Luis Urias is out for two months. Uh, Joey Weimer is going to get a shot. And, I mean, are you interested in Joey Weimer? And what, what kind of leagues are you looking to pick him up? Uh, yeah, no, I am. In all, in all leagues, uh, depending on needs, I guess. But he does have, like, um, Joey Weimer actually is a, a funny uh, situation with Joey Weimer. I... Um, I was in the hospital last week uh, with uh, kidney stones. It was real bad. I'm fine now, but it was like everyone was wishing me uh, 
a happy uh, opening day, and I was like, uh, I'm on so much morphine. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate life right now. I was like, I was in bad shape. But anyway, and I uh, I didn't have to stay overnight at the hospital. It was uh, anyway. Long story short is, uh, Jeff, uh, podcast host, last previous podcast host for uh, the Razball podcast, uh, your your um, predecessor. Uh, I asked him to, I had my, uh, keeper league draft, my NL only NL only keeper league draft, uh, drafted last week when I was in the hospital. (laughs) So I, so I texted Jeff and I was like, Hey, you available? I really need someone to draft for me. So he was like, he was, so he was nice enough to do it. Um, and, um, he drafted, you know, he drafted a solid NL only team and it's a, it's a, uh, 10 team NL only keeper. So I have good keepers. You know, long story short, anyway, he drafted Joey Weimer. Um, and, um, you know, on Morphine then on, like, day one of the opening day. And, by the way, people who read my uh, my opening day roundup, that was, like, I was pretty high when I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But um, when I was, uh, you know, when I was very stoned on, you know, different quaaludes, I was um, – looking at my NL team that uh, Jeff drafted, and I was like, huh, I feel like Nick Martinez is better on my team than Jelly Weimer. I'm going to drop Jelly Weimer. <laughs> so, and, then, and then he got called up literally within hours of me dropping Jelly Weimer. And then Nick Martinez got rocked in his first start. And then Laura, who's a writer for our, our site, picked up Jelly Weimer before I could. <laughs> So I was just like, ah, <laughs> that was like the wor- that was like the worst turn of events. I was like, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't even have the heart to tell Jeff that I screwed up his draft. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, he texted me, he's like, Joey's up, Joey Weimer's up. It's like good for your NL team. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. Good for my NL team. <laughs> I'm such a moron, <laughs> man. Um, anyway, Joey Weimer's got solid power and speed. Uh, I'm a little bit worried he could hit 210. Uh, potentially, he looks like he might have an average. It may be a bit of an average drain. And I don't love that he's hitting ninth. So in shallower mixed leagues, I mean, I'm fine with the pickup because I love upside, of course. So I'm fine with picking him up. But the the Brewers have like, you know, they have like 12 million outfielders. So I don't know if if Weimer struggles at all, he may not even stay up. I mean, they have Freelick, you know. Let's see what's what happens there in the minors. Um, Weimer is Weimer solid though as a pickup right now for speed and power. I like it. I just you know I wouldn't be you know like dropping anyone too important for him. Yeah, I think that's good good spot for you know what you're looking at. He has the upside to be. Useful in every league, but there's definitely concern with where he's hitting in the batting order, the job security, whether he plays every day. That's all That's all part of the combination here with Joey Weimer. So it is what it is. He had 31 steals last year across two double A AA and triple A. He had 21 home runs. So he has, he has the power speed combo. You know, it just kind of depends on the depth of your league and, the, and your team roster, whether you have somebody that you can drop to pick up the upside play in, in, in Joey Weimer or not. Now, if you had Luis Sirius, it's very nice, you know, kind of fill-in potentially for at least the, the short term. Uh, Joey Bart is going to be out with the middle back. Uh, are you interested in Blake Sable as a potential pickup here, Greg? 
Yeah, yeah, I liked I liked Blake Sable even before this. Now, uh, now Blake Sable is going to be playing left field and catching at the same time. <laughs> he's he's really going to have to be fast uh, with that pitch clock. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I I think uh, I think Sable is probably, you know, I, I think we might have been a little bit out on in front of our skis a little bit with how much we like Sable in the preseason. I think I think he's going to be fine for a catcher in like a deep league. I don't think he's gonna be. I don't think he's gonna be anything that special, to be honest. I mean, he's fine. Like, don't get me wrong, but you know, he's okay. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm at. If you need a catcher and you're just kind of looking around, he's fine. It's nice to get a catcher who doesn't have to sit behind the plate or that has another position they can go play. But it's not like you know, you're not getting the second coming of. I don't know, Adley Rushman um, <laughs> here in uh, Blake Sable. Uh, Robbie Ray's out four to six weeks. Chris Flexen seems like he's going to take his rotation spot. Are you interested in Chris Flexen outside of, you know, the, the only leagues? Yeah, you know, like uh, Flexen actually is, uh, is for me, I, you know, this week, I think you could probably even get away with this in uh, shallower leagues next week. But for this week, for Fab, I put like I put a dollar or two on Matt Brash because like if Flexen is bad, which he could be because he's not a great pitcher. If Flexen is bad and Robbie Ray has a setback, Matt Brash is right there, man. <laughs> he's like he's like you know like flashing red lights. Uh, like hello, there, Matt Brash is here. So you know in deeper leagues. For like you know, for fab beds, because this was the week I think to to look at Matt Brash. Because if Flexen is terrible in his first start, the the course is going to get a lot a lot louder for Matt Brash next week, and then and then his fab beds are going to go really high. So like this week, I was able to get him for like three bucks in, in like for out of a thousand. So you know, Matt Brash is interesting right now as like a stash, a brash stash. <laughs> Um, Flex is terrible, though. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with him. Yeah, only leagues. If you if you just need maybe ratios. I mean, I don't even know if he's going to give you that. Again, he's not an amazing pitcher. He's he's been successful in keeping his ERA, you know, in the in the mid to, to low or underneath four. I guess I'll say since he's come back from Korea. But the K's just aren't there to really support him being anything other than an only league play. Uh, Mackenzie Gore pitched well. Are you are you interested? Are you picking him up? Across the board, are you waiting and see where you at on Mackenzie Gore here, Gray? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think Mackenzie Gore is actually pretty interesting because, uh, like, he was a top prospect, you know, not that long ago with the uh, Padres, and then he got derailed with injuries. Uh, but I mean, he's still he has less than a hundred innings pitched in his career for the majors, so. He could easily put it together still. Like he's still young. What is it? He's twenty four years old. He's got great upside. I yeah. I mean, I like Mackenzie Gore as a flyer. I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't drop anyone too valuable. Like you know, before we were talking about how I was, we were worried about Chris Bassett. Like, and I think someone in the comments asked, like, you know, drop Bassett for Gore. I mean, that's tough. I'm not willing to – and this is for a shallower league, obviously. Um, but I, I'm not really ready to do that yet. But I would try and get Gore on a team in case, the you know, he is able to break out. Because, you know, I, his command is still wonky. 
So there's going to be potential for blow-ups, but I do like him. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. He's he's definitely got some command issues. He had a walk in every inning of his, of his first start. That's not exactly what you want to see. But, you know, he had six Ks and five and a third. And, you know, the stuff looked good as far as that goes. So if you just get some control, there could be the breakout here. I think it depends on the type of league you're in. And the type of team build, you know, if you're chasing K's, Mackenzie Gore over Chris Bassett. But in, in general, I think Chris Bassett still is likely owned over Mackenzie Gore just for the overall package that he likely gives you if he gets the velocity back on his pitches. Uh, Jack Flaherty, he had, uh, I mean, he had a great game. He had a had no-hitter. Uh, I believe he had, what was it, 10 K's, I think? He had, I mean, it was, it was a great start, Gray. Uh, this was somebody that I like taking a shot on here in the preseason. Is it – sorry, he had 4Ks. I, that's way off. I don't know where that came from. Uh, he had 4Ks. Walked a ton of people, though. Are you – where are you at on Jack Flaherty? Are you in because he went five innings of no earn? Are you out because he walked seven guys? Where, where, are, you, where are you at on Jack Flaherty? <laughs> the the latter yeah i mean uh, it's like you can't you can't walk that many guys and have my interest let alone i think his velocity was down like five miles per hour like i don't know i don't know what happened with jack flaherty but he looks cooked bro <laughs> he looks like cooked he looks so like a mess like i mean it's so bad i don't know what happened it stinks too man because he was so good like that one year, what was it? Twenty twenty one? No, twenty, yeah, twenty 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 nineteen. Uh, yeah, he was actually he was really good the year when everyone was hitting home runs. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, I don't know, man. I think he's cooked though. I wouldn't go anywhere near flattery. He looks, he looked as cooked. He looks as cooked as the other uh, Cardinal starter, Adam Wainwright. Um, you know, not his. Not his vocal skills, though, man. He can really belt out a tune, huh? Oh, no. It was pretty bad. It was awful. It was so bad, Greg. <laughs> well, don't, just never never sing, have players sing ever, ever again. Let's just let's just put that rule in place. Um, you know, and Flaherty, like his last spring start, he was throwing 93. I liked, like I thought the velocity was coming back through spring training. He was ramping up. This start, he was at 91. That's That's not good. Like, until I see this velocity ramp up, I'm probably not rolling him out there. It, it's good to see that he was able to avoid some bats, even with the decreased velocity. But he was nibbling all over the place. That's why you get the the, the walks. Um, I mean, to some extent, if I had watched Toronto put up you know 12 runs in the first two games, I don't know that I would have been overly excited to throw the ball over the plate to him either. But this is not. It was not a great outing. Um, I know I. Kind of misconstrued that off the top. I'm I, sorry about that, but no, probably out on that one. Uh, let's talk pins and pickups, Gray. We're running a little bit long, and uh, we got to get out of here. Uh, yeah, so, okay. On the pin side, uh, I mean, there's a few that changed over. We're looking at, like, the Pierce Johnson, uh, whether Andrew Chafin is potentially coming into a role, Reynaldo Lopez, and the White Sox. I'll let you talk about kind of those three, and then we'll get into a few others. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping in deeper leagues, I grabbed Lamette, uh, as a backup for Bard. I think I was probably wrong on that one. I think, uh, you know, I, I mean, who knows? I don't know. But Pierce Bron- uh, Pierce Bronson, <laughs> <laughs> Pierce Bronson, 
That's what I have to call him from now on. Uh, Pierce Bronson looks like the guy in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his uh, his ratios are double oh seven. I uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Johnson and um, you know who knows. I mean, if if Lament gets the next save in Colorado, then I I guess that could quickly change. Like I don't think it's necessarily set in stone. On what uh, Bud Black is doing? Well, Bud Black, nothing set in stone. His his brain is just mush. <laughs> it doesn't nothing Bud Black does makes sense. Uh, Chafin and McGow, I think, are probably a uh, that's probably a closer committee for now until we see something different. I think Chafin is probably going to be in there if they if they face tough lefties, even though he has no real lefty righty splits. Like it doesn't make sense to have him face lefties, but I mean, I don't, the Diamondbacks are a terrible team and that manager, uh, Tori, Tori from, uh, MTV's real world <laughs> challenge has been, ter- he's, I mean, he's been terrible forever. So I, you know, I don't know. And Reynaldo Lopez looks good. He's probably the guy, uh, you know, I would go to for now, but again, like if he pitches poorly this week, Graveman pitches well, that could switch really fast. So I'm not putting a ton of fab on any of these guys. Like these guys could all switch out by next week this time. Yeah. So you mentioned fab. Are you putting more than 10% on any of these guys? No, God, no, no. People are out of their minds with fab. Like I, 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 I'm not sure what people are thinking, but like anyone, like I saw someone bid like, 400 plus dollars out of a thousand on AJ Puck. Like, you lose your mind, dude. <laughs> like, if you literally fallen and hitting your head, like, what are you doing, man? Like, seriously, like, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I think I'm actually around 10%. Like, I'm fine putting 10% if you need saves on pick your, pick your random guy that you, that you think's getting the saves. You know, I think I would probably go Reynaldo, then Pierce Johnson. Um, of the guys we've talked about, I think the McHugh Chafin goes back and forth. The other, the other closer situations are going to bring up Seattle, Andres Munoz, and Paul Sewold. We we kind of assumed it was Sewold, but they said it was going to be a committee, and it looks like they're sticking to that. Um, Danny Jimenez and Trevor May. You know, Trevor May got a lot of kind of kind of buzz towards the end of draft season, and then Danny Jimenez comes in and just kills it all. And then uh, Will Smith, Jose Leclerc. I mean, we all kind of thought it was Leclerc. And then uh, Will Smith gets the opportunity. But Leclerc did throw the ninth inning in the first game of the season. Just wasn't a save. Where are you at on these three situations? Yeah, I know. Well, someone brought up a good point. And uh, I forget where it was. But they brought up a good point that Will Smith, you know, was the closer for Bochi back in San Francisco. So... I I kind of feel like Will Smith might be the closer now. I, I'm not. I'm I'm kind of um, surprised at myself for not realizing that sooner. But that does seem like a narrative that could potentially track. And I never really understood the Leclerc thing anyway, because like he wasn't good last year, and now they have a new manager. It never really made sense, Leclerc. So I think Will Smith might actually be the closer in Texas. Um, the other ones I think are probably still committees like May Jimenez and Munoz Seawold. I think they're probably they're probably going to be like 
60 40 splits and i don't know who the 60 is and who the 40 is yeah that's that's completely fair and i'm with you i think those are still splits i mean they they told us as much i wouldn't expect it to change unless somebody really dominates and and all those pitchers are are fairly solid pitchers as well so i don't necessarily expect any of them to collapse in on themselves um i will say will smith himself wasn't exactly great last year either so it wasn't like oh well will smith came in with you know, good numbers, and, and he's going to take it. So I think that one could go back and forth. But, you know, Bochy does seem like the type of guy that goes on track record, who's done it for me. So I could definitely see just kind of the narrative picking up and that working. Real quick, Gray, we just have a few minutes left. Who are some pickups that you're looking at if uh, if people are out there in daily leagues and, and their waivers haven't ran? Uh, Ellie Hurrius. Uh, Montero, the uh, third baseman on the Rockies, I, I'm sort of interested in there, probably mostly because he plays in cores. Uh, I like, uh, I still like all the guys who I've liked, you know, coming into the year. Like, none of that really has changed <laughs> after, like, a weekend of games. Like, I'm still totally interested in, like, um, Oscar Colas and Kerry Carpenter and, uh, you know, who else? Like, you know, like guys who I who I liked <laughs> like four days ago, I still like them, you know, like like uh, Therio Estrada and Logan O'Hoppe and uh, who else? Like Brandon Donovan, I love. Uh, I loved him going into the season. I still love him. Um, you know, uh Volpe uh, looks like he's going to steal 120 bags. Uh, <laughs> Spencer Spencer Steer, I like uh, Riley Green. Like nothing's really. Um, Trace Thompson had a. You know, we didn't really talk about him. He had a you know three homer game. I, I don't think anything. I don't think that really changes anything. I think I still kind of like James Outman more. But if they're both playing. I kind of like both of them. I don't. I don't mind either of them if they're playing. So yeah, I and I still would even like. You know, I I get. I'm getting a lot of comments about people already banding ship with the uh, clinic. They're already moving off of him. I don't know, man. I I probably would give him another two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you've gone this far, give him give him two weeks to do something. You know. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you drafted him, you were hoping that it's gonna click and like just give him a second. Although. You know, it just may not be, it may not be the year for it to click, and it may never. Um, I guess some of the guys that I'll throw out, Adam Duvall, it was a guy that I kind of thought was one of those power bats that you could grab late in your drafts. One of the very few, because there weren't a lot of power bats late in drafts. Mitch Garver, he only has one starter catcher, but if you have room to, to wait till he gets catcher eligibility and you listen to Gray and I and you waited at catcher, Mitch Garver could potentially give you catcher one numbers if you just wait for him to catch your eligibility, I'm with you on Trace Thompson. He's a, he's in a split and he's on the lesser side of a split in general. So I don't think there's really a whole lot there. Um, Jake Fraley's a guy that was being drafted in a lot of leagues, but if not, I think that just the Cincinnati, you know, whatever the narrative is, is there for him to, to look all right. Um, and then Zach Eflin, I'm just going to throw it out for, for our boy Whip, who was all over Zach Eflin all, all dressed. He, he looked good in his first start, at least with the adjusted pitch mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. And, uh, you know, the guys in, in New York, uh, McGill and Peterson, I like them too. Syndergaard looked good. You know, I never, I wouldn't ever underestimate the Dodgers' ability to take a terrible pitcher and make them great. <laughs> <laughs> 
thought never, never happen. I, the Dodgers have some magic pixie dust when it comes to starter. So, you know, anything the Dodgers are throwing out there, I'm even kind of interested in seeing what uh, Grove does because, like, the Dodgers can do no wrong when it comes to anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. Kyle Muller looked – his final line looked okay, but he didn't actually look very good. I would – I would probably ignore that for now in most leagues, in most mixed leagues, yeah. at least. That sounds good, Gray. Uh, if you have any specific questions, you can always find us on Twitter. I am at RazBDon. Gray is, of course, the owner of the at RazBall account. Subscribe, listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. If you want to watch us, you can go out on YouTube.com slash RazBallFantasy. Subscribe to those. Throw their comments in there. We'll answer them out there as well. Until next week, Gray, here's another week of baseball. Let's go. Late.